I always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the wide stance, taking the club back way inside, releasing the club. One of the greatest ball strikers I'd ever seen. Now Ballesteros. With a putt that could win him the 113th British Open. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. My name is Lawrence Donegan and I'm joined this week, as I'm joined every week, by my good pal and co-host, Mr. John Huggin. It's a change of pace this week. Rather than speak to one of the uh, great players in the game, we decided to reach out to uh, Keith Pelly, the Chief Executive of the European Tour and one of the most uh, influential and prominent figures on the uh, business side of golf. Uh, Keith very kindly agreed to come on and give us some of his time it was a bit of a blockbuster of a chat from our perspective. We peppered Keith with questions on every single aspect of the European Tours business and the business of the wider golf world. And he was very, very forthcoming with his answers. Uh, it was uh, absolutely fascinating. We talked about uh, the Ryder Cup. We talked about uh, rumours of bankruptcy in the European Tour. We talked about rumours of a possible merger between the European Tour and the PGA Tour and we talked about uh, the European Tour's uh, great achievement in getting together a schedule of uh, initially 10 events but ultimately 24 events for the 2020 season beginning in July with a run of six events in England. As I say it was a fascinating chat uh, but before we get to it uh, I have to do my usual a little bit of selling at mckellarmagazine.com is our website. We're not just a podcast. We are a beautiful literary golf journal too. If you go to our website, mckellarmagazine.com, you'll be able to purchase uh, issue three of McKellar featuring some of the world's uh, best golf writers writing about the sport that we all love. If you're listening to this podcast, then I'm sure you're the kind of person who would like McKellar. Uh, mckellarmagazine.com. Do yourself a favour and buy a copy of issue three. That's enough of that. Uh, let's go on with the show. Keith Pelly, thanks for coming on. Uh, can you sum up the last couple of months of your professional life for us to be in with? Oh, well, first of all, Lawrence and John, thanks for inviting me. It was very kind of you. Uh, but it's been, uh, how would you sum up the last couple of months? Uh, daunting, astounding, frightening, uh, opportunistic. Uh, basically, any adjective that you, you you want, you could use to describe the last couple of months. It's been uh, it's been a real challenge. There's there's no question it has been. But um, what you do realize it in times like this, uh, you see some of the people in your in your respective teams, whatever business you work on, really rise to the occasion. And and it's been really uh, it's been great to see a couple of the 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 young people in our staff just just dig in and say, yeah, what do you want? How do we do it? How do we get to the next place? How do we adjust? How, how do we, because that's what this is all about. It's all about adjusting to circumstances that change on a, on a, on a daily basis. And there is no crisis playbook. So, so you have to be able to ad lib and it's, uh, it's, 
we have some some really young, talented people at the European Tour, and it's great to watch them flourish and be part of this. Yeah. Did you have a kind of oh my god moment at the, near the beginning of this when the it's kind of the implications of it all started to dawn? Well, I, I think like anybody, I, I think you don't know what to expect, and then every single day uh, something else gets thrown at you, and then and then then this happens and this happens, and again you're adjusting and and moving quite 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 rapidly. It was it was interesting because I, I remember being in the uh, in the uh, lounge, the players' lounge in Qatar. And they were chatting about it, saying, okay, so what's happening? I said, to be honest with you, uh, guys, I think it is 90% chance that Kenya is going to happen. And then that evening, <laughs> I got a call at about 10.30 at night saying Kenya is canceled. So I went, I went to, the, uh, to the players' lounge the next day in Qatar. I congregated everyone together. And I said, uh, unfortunately, Kenya is canceled, obviously, this, this, and this. And the first question was, well, what do you think about India? And I looked at him and I said, well, I just, I, <laughs> I told you 90% yesterday for Kenya and today we canceled it. So, I, so don't, don't ask me. I've got, I, don't have a, I don't have a clue. And, uh, and that's really what it's been like for the, uh, for the last three months. It's, it's kind of uh, every day you go up the roller coaster, you come down the roller coaster. You go up the roller coaster, you come down it. And you get you get some people like like some sponsors that say I just can't I can't afford to do this I can't you know we're not going to be able to pay you and then you get a company like Rolex who is a special company that says how can we be there for you and and so like I said you get good news bad news good news bad news good news bad news every day and you just have to adjust and you just have to stay calm cool collect and go okay well this is what we're going to do and we're going to do this and. We're going to keep doing that, and and it's very easy to get frustrated. But I don't know if there if there was one aha moment, it was that. And then the one other story in Qatar. I remember talking to Justin Harding, and he said he goes, "So, but but you know, I'm I've qualified for uh, the Masters, and and Augusta's going to happen." And I went, "Oh, yeah, I'm sure Augusta's going to happen." You know, I can't see. So that shows how far behind and how almost naive I was or people were in the infancy stages of COVID-19. So it, it, it just, and so, so what, what, what I'm saying now is every time that we say that, you know, we're going to play and, and, and now we're, we're talking to some other governments today about adding this to the schedule and doing two events in, in this country, but everything is, everything you still have to say is tentative. Until we hit that first ball, this this uh, in kind of what I call the new season, then then we uh, we won't be back. So you just have to be prepared to constantly adjust and not get frustrated. Yeah, there are there are some implications still, or still some hoops to jump through before you can absolutely one hundred percent confirm even the the six events that you've announced. Is that still the case? Well, we've had really, really, John. We've had really strong, positive conversations with the uh, with the government, uh, and and we've been dealing directly with the DCMS, and and what we have is what I call uh, an MVP, most valuable player in Dr. Andrew Murray. So here is here is is uh, Dr. Murray, uh, who is 
is worked for the Scottish government, worked in public health, loves the game, uh, and he has been a godsend. He is on every conversation that we have with governments. And he, and we put this other gentleman in charge of our comprehensive medical health strategy. And it is robust, it is comprehensive. You know, I, a lot of times when I talk to Dr. Murray, my eyes go out of focus because I have no idea sometimes what he's talking about. So I just say, yes, yes, of course, of course, that's what we're going to do. I think that's an excellent idea. But um, there is, a, you know, that, that strategy which we sent to the UK government was incredibly well received. And I'll be honest with you, John and Lawrence, if, if, we, if we were not as not optimistic that we were going to play, we wouldn't have launched that schedule last week. We feel, we feel, yes, things can change, and it's still predicated on government rules and regulations, but we believe that the quarantine will be lifted for, for our players, and we also believe uh, that the hotels will be operational. And, and that, that comes from so many, a plethora of conversations with the UK government. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to ask you about the, the, the bubble thing. I mean, the, I wrote about this the other day um, and looked up on the websites for all these hotels as to how many rooms they have uh, and based on how many you're going to need. I mean, Celtic Manor and the Belfry have got oodles of rooms. They've got more than enough to cope with a tournament, players, full field and, and caddies and all the rest of it. But that, you can't say that about Hanbury Manor or Forest of Arden. What, what plans have you got in place for where people are going to stay for those events? Well, even even uh, the, the the close house, yes, in, the close uh, house as well, which is yeah. the opening at the Bedford British Masters. So for that, so we've taken over the entire Hilton, and then we have another Hilton. So the, yeah. the reality is we have the Marriott of Forest at Ar Arden, and then we have one other hotel. You have to take over the hotels and turn them into medical health facilities, and and that is uh, you know that is where the government and Dr. Murray has led us. If I've heard one phrase, I've heard this phrase over and over again. It's all about mitigating risk. And, and it's all about creating a safe and a healthy environment. In fact, the whole concept behind doing six events in the UK stemmed from not only the fact that, that uh, uh, you know, we've had 30 events that have been postponed or canceled, but, you know, Dr. Murray said, you have the best chance of playing these events in a safe and a healthy environment, if in fact you play them within three, four hour drive, and they're all three hour drives. So as a result, we can kind of create a bubble for those six weeks where we'll let people in and out of the bubble, but they'll be pre-tested before they get there. When they arrive, they'll be escorted from the, uh, from the airport, tested again, then they're all part of the, the, the hotel bubble. Before they go into the hotel, they'll have been tested again. Then they'll have the, the you know, obviously with Celtic Manor and the Belfry, they're right there. But in the other ones, there will be transportation that is all still part of the bubble. So it's, 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 it's a logistical um, exercise of gargantuan proportions. And, and again, we've had a couple people step up and I said, wow. You know, I just so proud of them, and and you can really, really uh, uh, get energized when some of your staff uh, are this much into executing flawlessly a comprehensive medical health strategy. So, 
I, think, I believe it's 500 people on site maximum. How, how many of that 500 is going to be t- uh, tested? I only ask because in the PGA Tour, I think they've talked about 1,000 people on site, and of those, only 400 are going to be tested. Are you going to test 100%? That's what our plan is, yes. All 500? Yes. Yes. We have, we have, we have the, we have the, all of them are in the, what we call the, the bubble. So you've got players, it's really broken down into players, caddies, uh, staff, and broadcasters. So as, as a result, we are not going as deep, i.e. Um, manufacturers or managers or coaches uh, or, uh, or guests uh, in, the, in the early part are, are not going to be permitted. The, the re- it, it, now, things could change in two months with the government, but the reality is, Lawrence, again, if, it, if, if, you, if you're, you know, I, I, Dr. Murray preaches to me on a daily basis, you know, it's, Keith, it's mitigating risk, mitigating risk. The more people that you have there and the more people that you have there that are not completely part of the whole medical strategy, the more risk you have. And then if you have risk, then, then, it, then, it, then it could uh, create, a, a, you know, a detrimental effect to the entire swing and two tournaments might falter. And then, you know, then, it, then it's, uh, you know, it, it, just, it just could move rapidly at that particular time and not go well. So we're going to do everything we possibly can to play in a safe and healthy environment. What kind of gambles the PGA Tour taking testing for? Well, I, I, I don't know if they're taking a gamble because I don't know what their social distancing plan is. But there's, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the PGA Tour and our two respective medical health doctors are in constant conversation. So uh, they, they, they might be testing more or they may, at the end of the day, not allowing some of them on site or if, if in fact if in fact you have complete and utter social distancing and and it is it is absolutely rigid then that individual even if that person does have COVID-19 is not contagious unless they come into contact with someone uh, so maybe maybe their broadcast compounds are a little bit different uh, but that's that's what we're starting with as the as the as the plan right now it sounds, Keith, like you've got the kind of health side of things covered as much as you possibly can, but this has obviously, you know, had a fairly detrimental effect on the finances for the European Tour. There's been all kinds of rumours flying around about the how much you're, you're in the hole here, because I know you're funding these six tournaments yourselves. I mean, how, how would you categorise the current financial state of the European Tour? Well, gents, we've been affected like millions of, of businesses the world over. Uh, but we have we have we have been very very diligent and extremely responsible in in our financial approach. There is there is no doubt. I'm not going to go into the specific financial details. But as you, as you just as you just alluded to, John, we're we're creating these tournaments from scratch. We're investing in a, a two million medical health strategy. Uh, we have donated ourselves five hundred thousand to charity. Um, in terms of uh, the way that that works is we're giving 50000 to each venue where they can distribute to, to a charity in their community, while at the same time we're going to have a mini order of merit in the first six events, and, uh, and the top 10 players are going to share the other 250000 and they're going to determine where that money goes. And that's just a pure donation from the European tour. You know, we, we 
we funded the Benevolent Trust, which is run by three of our board members, David Jones, Mark Rowe, and Robert Lee. And we put 250000 into that. We gave 50000 to the Caddies Association. So, you know, I, I think what, what, we, what we have really done is we, have, we, we produced the strategy that has allowed us to navigate through the initial phase of the crisis and resurrect our 2020 schedule. You know, prepared us for the short term in, in terms of 2021, and it has given us the platform to, to move and plan for future growth in 2022. And to move back to what I say and what I call is a growth and a momentum stage, because that's where we have been over the, the last five years. We've, we've grown revenue significantly in that the last uh, uh, five years, and as a result, we've been able to uh, increase our prize funds by some 15 to 20 million per annum for our players and uh, and increase playing opportunities as well. Yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't know, is it 60 staff have been furloughed from the European Union? That's probably a kind of bit of an insider question, but, you know, structurally, what's going? To, what does this mean for the European Tour? Are those people going to come back to work? Are, you know, prize funds moving ahead? I, I saw some analysis from Sky. They're saying that there's downward pressure on rights, TV rights. There's downward pressure on their profits, perhaps as much as sixty percent. I mean, I guess that's going to be across all the board, all the sponsors, all your partners. And there's a massive financial pressure coming. I, I know you're looking ahead to 2021, but it's going to be a completely different uh, playground. Uh, he's coped to to handle that. Well, I think I think Lawrence, that's a that's a fair question, and um, uh, I think when you talk about the the furlough yeah. scheme, it's been interesting because you know a million companies have taken part in the government's furlough scheme, which is I read the other day I think it was eight point five million employees are currently furloughed across the UK. I think we have more than sixty one. I think we have like hundred and twenty, I believe. So, and, and we're just a tiny part of that scheme, but let's be honest, we're extremely grateful to the government and the chancellor who made that, made that available. In terms of going forward, are they coming back? Well, you know, as with, as with most companies across the globe, we're looking into possibility of, of, of potential job loss, of course, but there has been no confirmation at, at, at this stage. We have been, we have been in, a, in an incredible growth period when you, talk about us moving in terms of even sponsorship revenue alone uh, over the last five years up by about 40 million. Our deal that we currently, that we executed with IMG, with ETP, in terms of our broadcast um, rights, saw us again have a significant upside. So we, we, uh, it, it will be undeniably uh, challenging but I think we're, we're, we're literally, we're, we're prepared now. We've looked at everything. That's why we've, we've had to really do things. Everything that we've done is methodical. Like I, 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 do, I, do, uh, I do get a kick over uh, some people thinking that we were, you know, going to go bankrupt because that's not going to happen. And, I, and then I, I, I had um, uh, quite a chuckle over... Uh, people saying it's essential for the European tour to merge with the PGA tour to survive financially. And I would say absolutely not with that. Uh, so uh, is, is, is our, uh, are we going to be challenged going forward? Absolutely. But, but at the same time, 
we've got a terrific plan and we've spent the the last three months crafting that plan looking at all aspects of our business determining what we can and cannot do and still understanding what our number one priority is and our number one priority is to our membership and and those two objectives in terms of our two important key performance index is prize fund and plan opportunities for our members so prize fund you know and and we've grown prize fund gents over the last five years so if in fact we have any financial trouble we would just bring the prize fund down accordingly uh so it is it is however uh as you know prize funds are directly linked to revenue and that's why the prize funds have grown in the past because we've we've significantly grown revenue right now prize funds are affected do i believe they will come back yeah i believe they'll climb again and i believe that under guy kinnings and an incredibly strong commercial team will continue to grow revenue uh, but you have to be realistic in what we're going through and that's why i constantly come back and say you have to be prepared to adjust and be prepared to ad lib on the fly yeah. keith you mentioned the you know the possibility of all the rumors of mergers with pga the pga tour for example have there been any discussions on that front and have you talked to the the premier golf league people have they been resurrected in the midst of all this <laughs> see these are these are great questions so i i will so what I'll say about the, the conversations with the PGA Tour is, yes, I've been in, in great conversation with Jay Monahan for the last three years, but those have certainly been intensified over uh, the first conversations of the new entrant uh, in, in, in golf or the, or the talk about uh, a new entrant. And then, and then, obviously, during uh, COVID-19, uh, we were on weekly calls uh, with the four majors and, and Jay and the LPGA Commissioner Mike Wan trying to um, you know, figure out the, the global schedule and trying to do what is, is right for what we felt was the global game. And more importantly, uh, I always keep coming back to it's about the consumer, about the consumer. Uh, but since then, I've had numerous conversations with Jay and there's no question right now his number one priority is launching a season in a couple of weeks time. Yeah. And ours is fine tuning our medical health strategy and continuing to work with governments across the countries that we're going to play our 2020 schedule. However, there is definitely a will for us to work together. I think those conversations are stronger than they've ever been. Where that will lead, I'm not sure, but I, but I am. I'm, I'm optimistic that the PGA Tour and the European Tour will work closer together in the future because I believe that's a positive for our game. But what I will say is that any strategic alliance that happens between our two tours has to be significantly beneficial to our membership and the PGA Tour membership at the same time. And, and I've been consistent on the other topic for the past couple of months in the respect of not commenting directly on something which does not actually exist. Um, there is no doubt a potential competitor brand. As I said, that, that when they started to have dialogue with some of our players, that was disconcerting to us in the PGA tour. We feel that it's definitely, or at least I feel it's definitely not interest 
into our tour, and I think Jay feels the same way, but you'd have to ask him, or indeed the global game, to create another entity in a sport which is already fractured. Like I've always, John, you've heard me say it so many times, mm -hmm. the sport is so fractured. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that we both continue to feel that way. And I think the combination of that other new uh, potential uh, competitor combined with COVID-19 and now the relationship that we have, I think that that heightens the chance of us uh, working closer together. Right. So, so just to be clear, you have not talked to the Premier Golf League people? Oh, I have. I, I have not talked to the Premier Golf League people formally in three years, I believe. But how about informally? Informally, I ran into them in Saudi Arabia at our tournament this year where they were. So I have, I have chatted to them informally, um, but I have not chatted to them formally. And, and that was only one formal conversation, if you can call a meeting a formal uh, conversation, and it never went anywhere beyond that. Right. Well, wh while we're talking tours as well, Keith, uh, we, obviously you, you, you've got a lot in place or potentially in place for the European tour. Wh where do you stand on the, on the Challenge Tour? Have you been able to spend much time thinking about them and the... Uh, the Stacia to the seniors. Yes, yes, John, on, on, on both. Absolutely. So the, the challenge tour, uh, again, based on a medical health strategy and based on us creating a, a, a safe, healthy environment for our players, we are revamping the entire schedule this year. And we hope to get that out, like we do for the rest of our schedule, out by the end of this month. At the very, I would say realistically, Challenge Tour schedule will be out at the end of this month. The Stayshore Tour, uh, we we have we have a we have a great partner in Stayshore, uh, and and again, you know, obviously that is a population where is in terms of the actual players that are directly affected the most from COVID nineteen. So we have to be very very careful again and ensure that we can play in a safe and healthy environment. And we're trying to do the exact same thing with the Challenge Tour and the Stationer Tour that we did with the main tour as playing multiple tournaments in one location. And that's, so that meant that we had to basically, you know, take a match to both the Challenge Tour and the Stationer Tour current schedule and start from scratch. And that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Yeah, can I just j jump back here uh, on the, the PG Tour stuff? From what you said, uh, Keith, I, I take it you've essentially dismissed the Premier Golf League. You're, I, I don't want to say getting into bed with the PGA Tour, but you're you're talking about forming stronger PG uh, strategic alliances with the PGA Tour. So that you've made your choice there, it seems to me. You said that, that there are areas where we could work closer together. What are these areas? How would that work? Well, I, I think, you know, first, Lawrence, I think that that was uh, a, good, a good summary of it. And we are committed to... Uh, to having stronger conversations with the PGA Tour. Uh, I, again, I have the utmost respect for Jay Monahan, yeah. and I think that he is—he is—he uh, really is. He's—we're—we're we're lucky to have him in our game. And how we can work closer together? Oh, we could—we could possibly do do more co-sanctioned events together. Uh, we could work together in in so many different ways, and 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 we've started to have those conversations. And at the end. You know, Jay, Jay, Jay was so supportive 
during the whole scheduling change with the majors. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, we, we've had the conversation, I've had the conversation with our board that the PGA tour is, you know, we're not going to agree on everything. We're still going to be competitive right now. Uh, but we believe that, that us aligning and us, even as we work together, when you talk about the, uh, the, the new potential entrance entry uh, competitor, even even when when we work together on on that in terms of the communication to to our membership in a very very informal way, it was uh, it was it it showed that we were aligned in our thinking, and and we we both have we have both have similar values, and we both believe. And that's why I keep coming back to it. We both believe that the only way we can work closer together uh, and, and, and make both respective tours and both respective areas stronger is if we always put at the forefront we're members' organizations. And so it has to be good for their players. It has to be good for our players. And co-sanctioned events, is this... For instance, would they jump on the Rolex Series events? Is that a, an option? I, I think, Lawrence, the way that the way you know you can you can sit, you know, tonight, you know, and 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 you are sitting with, with with John and and having a coffee. You can you can you can you can brainstorm. You can pontificate about so many different concepts because and we there do. are so many. <laughs> Yeah, and you do, and that's what this is about. So I will just say that that we're looking at everything, uh, and and I think we're just committed, both of us, to trying to see if we can work even closer together. Because at the end, we want to grow the game. It's better if we work together, as I said. I do believe, and I've said this for a long period of time, that golf is fractured, and, and, and if we can work closer together, and that was shown, and our and really, really, how we all uh, worked on the schedule uh, together with the uh, with the majors, the four majors, and and uh, Jay was uh, was a real uh, illustration of that. Yeah, it sounds to me, Keith, like you're cooking up a world tour between you and Jay Monahan. Uh, once again, you're 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 back. You're, you're back. You're back now on your couch <laughs> having a coffee. Okay. I just think you might be drinking something a little stronger now. If there's a series of like co-sanctioned events and the two tours have come closer together, now the, the, this run that you've got coming up is that's a phenomenal achievement, Keith. Sit to, to get six events and four at the end of the year, and you've talked about another ten. Now, and I don't want in any way to diminish these six events, but they are most of the quotes and quotes top players will be on the PGA Tour. Looking ahead, say five years down the line, if there's a much closer relationship between the European Tour and the PGA Tour, what does it mean for the guys who are you're between 50 and 150 on the on the race to Dubai uh, order of merit. They'll be playing in events that are not so much top tier for not so much money. Are, will you look after the interest of those guys? Well, I think we will, Lawrence. I think absolutely. You know, in in order in order um, and uh, in order for it to flourish, uh, an alliance to flourish, we have to. That is that is part of 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 who we are, and that's critical. That's critical for the growth of the game. Like one of the conversations that we had is, is we build the product 
for the majors through the challenge tour and the European tour. So by the time people get a chance to qualify and get to the majors, you know who they are. Yeah. And if you, t- you know, one of the, one of the, the stories that I often tell is um, when I came over here in 2015, I came over after having agreed, I wasn't going to start to the fall, but having agreed in April, I came over to see what the BMW PGA Championship was like at Wentworth. And I came over and, and, and I took my 12-year-old boy who was, who, who was really reluctant. He, he was playing, you know, hockey. You know, Lawrence, you live in the U.S. I don't have to say ice hockey. Yeah. Um, he was playing <laughs> hockey. He was happy. And he didn't want to come over here. So I, so I, uh, I said, well, come over and we'll see what this is, what dad's getting into. And we went over to the golf tournament. And I had a, a number of meetings during the day and I sent him out on the golf course with one of our young staff. And I said, take care of Jason. And he came back that night and I said, you know, how was it? And he said, you know, dad, I, I followed this real cool kid, a kid by the name of Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. I said, I, I had no idea who Tommy Fleetwood was. And I looked him up and I think he was 180th in the world or something along those lines. And we went back, we went back, uh, to Toronto, spent the summer, and he absolutely followed Tommy religiously, and he and he knew every every score he had in every tournament, and I finally came, got over. I got a chance to meet Tommy, and I said to Tommy, I "said my 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 boy is your like biggest fan," and he said, "I have a fan," and and uh, and Tommy and Jason are now best pals. It's a great story, but I'm going to tell you. The European tour is where Tommy Fleetwood flourished now is number 10 in the world. And, and so, Lawrence, as you just said, you know, Tommy Fleetwood would have been that one of those people. So we need to actually be the breeding ground. We need to provide playing opportunities for all our members, regardless at what level, and, and allow them to continue to chase that dream and continue because – because if you take a look at Tommy Fleetwood, you take a look at Matt Wallace, who won six times on the Alps Tour, and now all of a sudden got to the European Tour. And when he was here at the BMW PGA Championship that first year, he said, it's a dream come true. And where is he right now? Practicing, I think, in Jupiter, Florida, getting ready to play in, uh, in the Charles Schwab next week. I think that's important, don't you, Lawrence? Oh, yeah. No, I, I do. But I, I just wonder if... The- if the money for all flows to the massive events, where are you going to get the money for that that tier of events? Ah, yeah. So I I I believe I believe that the biggest events in the world are getting bigger, right? and other events are being somewhat suppressed. So in order for those other events to flourish, the bigger events have to get bigger and bigger, where you can drive more revenue, and you can drive uh, more fan engagement. But at the end of the day, revenue is, is, is just a form of currency based on engagement. So if you have more engagement, you can drive more revenue, and those need to subsidize the rest of the actual tours. It's similar to, similar to the model that, that, that the European tour has had dating back for so many years where they work on this four-year cycle where the Ryder Cup, where the Ryder Cup uh, uh, funds the rest of the tour. And we, we were, this was the year that we were, we, were, we were moving away from that because we didn't want to be completely reliant on the Ryder Cup. And, and the Rolex series and these bigger events 
that were getting bigger were, were what was driving our revenue, and those were needed to to uh, to fund the other the other the other tournaments. So, for example, in 2017, Keith Waters and I created the Tournament Development Fund, and it was really similar to that of the LPGA, and that was the promoter model was starting, which which was starting to fade away, which was the really a staple in the European tours model for so long. Uh, and it was just starting to fade because, because these promoters weren't prepared to take the risk. So in 2017, you know, we started subsidizing tournaments. We had more playing opportunities in 2000. In 18 than ever before, regardless of the purse. I mean, going back ever, they've never had 4,214 playing opportunities. And, 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 and so we started to fund it. And what was funding it? All of the bigger tournaments. So, so that's what I mean by saying the bigger, bigger events are getting bigger and bigger. Like every single year, the Super Bowl grows in terms of revenue. Every single year. And we, we, we have this this wonderful uh, asset of the Ryder Cup, which is why we brought in Guy Kinnings and somebody of his ilk and of his, his skill level because we no longer, after 2018, I felt that we no longer could do Ryder Cup off the side of our desk. We needed, we needed to have a full team in place so with richard hills retiring in came guy kinnings and he's just building out a team that can work on the Ryder cup week in and week out because that is one of our big events which will continue to drive all of those other events so that's that's the way i that's the way i that's the way i look at it and that's my overall philosophy lawrence is that bigger events are getting bigger in the world based on based on the saturation of content which is at an all-time high. And so when the content is high and multiple choice is available to consumers, they're not, they're, there's, not, there's, there's, no, there's not going to be a change in the hours. There's only 24 hours in a day. So if you have multiple choice, content becomes king. So we have to continue to actually produce all these tournaments for all our members, and we have to localize them very well because that's the only way they can stay profitable in the long term but we'll still need to subsidize them well that leads us nicely into the inevitable writer cup question is it going to happen this year is it going to be played behind closed doors is it going to be played next year what's going on i think i think i'll simply say because you you know you know that that the charming ostentatious crazy smart wonderfully funny head of communication scott crockett would really <laughs> hurt me if in fact i said anything other than you'll know by the end of the month yeah. why is it taking so long we you know at, at, when you think about it we have we have been engrossed in revamping our entire schedule the pga of america have been doing the exact same thing are are trying to run the very first major of the year so there was, there was no specific um, rush in any such way. So now we're, we're ready. We've both now launched our 
our beginning of our schedule and the PGA of America. So we will uh, we will have the uh, the conversations now, and uh, and we will have a direction by the end of the month. What would be your preference? I, I think I'll say that I'll have a, I'll have a con- <laughs> we'll be able to have a conversation at the end of the month. There's a couple of. Uh questions and we maybe obviously we're not going to get you to say when it's if it's if or it's going to happen or not but i was fascinated last week uh by rory a quote from rory i'm sure you saw it uh, the players are the ones who make the Ryder cup if they are not on board with it and don't want to play then there is no Ryder cup now rory said he doesn't want to play brooks kepka said he doesn't want to play so there's probably the best two players well, apart from tiger the two top players saying they don't want to play a Ryder cup in these circumstances how, how can you possibly even think it's up up for debate. Well, I, 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 that's the magic of of Rory, and you had him on your show. Is is just that he's not only a spectacular golfer, he's ridiculously bright, he's articulate, he's entertaining, um, and and he speaks his mind. And we 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 will, like I said. Uh, evaluate everything and talk to our partners at the PGA of America and let you know more at the end of the at the end of the month. Sorry, gents, that's that's I, I respect and I understand, but yeah. I'm not going to give you any more opinion on that if that's all right. Speaking of Rory, uh, when he was on our show, as you called it, uh, this first time it's ever been called that, by the way. The, um, he also said some interesting things. I thought that uh, you know he was glued to the the President's Cup in Australia at the end of last year, simply because it was being played at Royal Melbourne. Fantastic golf course, obviously. And he also said that he was very keen to play in the Australian Open this year, if had it happened, or if it happens, because it was at Kingston Heath, another truly great golf course. I think you've got an opportunity here, Keith, to to go to places like that, especially the great courses that are available to you in Europe especially if there's no crowds, if they're behind closed doors, you can, the opportunity to go to places that you've never thought of before. I mean, I'm thinking of places like, you know, off the top of my head, Morfontaine near Paris, which is the, oh, yeah. the, best, sure. the best the best course on the continent. I mean, this is a chance to, to raise your game, especially if you can, if, as I say, if you have to play behind closed doors. Well, we, we might have another couple announcements coming in the, in the near future, John, that, that you might, uh, you might like. Well, I hope so. Can yeah. you give us a hint? No, 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 I, no but but I uh, but I, I I concur with you. Um, there is no question that that the golf course and some of the, the golf courses that are uh, that are in Europe are magnificent and they've never been showcased. It, it's funny because you know everyone talks about going to play golf in Ireland and playing golf in Scotland on vacations. Just think about how many great golf courses there are in England mm. and how many hidden yeah. gems there are. Woodhull Spa. I, I, yeah, tournament at Woodhull Spa. You send me your five golf courses you'd like us to go to. I'll, I'll send my email to you. will be in the email, to, email tray for Scott Crockett later this evening. Here, Keith, I, I know you're pressed for time. There's just one. I wanted to ask you this. Uh, did you watch the match with Tiger and Phil and all that? Did you see any of that coverage? I did, yes. I saw a bit uh, of it. Yes. Did, did that not? Did you not look at that and think, "Oh my goodness, this is phenomenal," and this opens up all kinds of possibilities for future coverage of golf? Well, I, I, I quite like, uh, I quite like Tom Brady's uh, 
after he played pretty poorly and, and Charles Barkley giving him a little bit of a stick <laughs> and then him knocking it in. That was, that was pretty magical. And, and when you have four of the greatest athletes uh, on the planet playing, it's, uh, it certainly is a, a great treat. But sure, I think you're talking about does it, does it, would we do something along those lines? Or are you talking about getting us excited about playing again? Well, getting, getting us excited about watching golf again, it was so different. Oh, yeah. And it was so full of, full of energy. I mean, I know it can't be replicated every week, obviously, but you know, players mic'd up. It was actually quite good to be able to hear the players. Uh, even the golf carts. I know you know people hate golf carts, or most people. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, yes, I, I. I just wonder if you if you saw some sort of possibilities coming out of that. There is no doubt that that this UK swing gives us a chance to be creative and be innovative, and and our head of production calls us you know, the kings of innovation. And I said, well, this is the time to innovate, my friend. Uh, and this is the time to try things a little bit different. And, and so people have already talked about us putting some mics on, on some of the players and some of the players, you know, have, have said that we're open to doing anything. You know, if, if this can create a more entertaining product and we can try some things during COVID-19, then I'm all game for it. So uh, we're, we're, now meeting on a daily basis and sitting there saying, how can we do things a little bit, a little bit different? You know, one of, you know, we were told for the longest time that we wouldn't be able to do in-round interviews. Players wouldn't say yes to in-round interviews. And if you watch our World Feed coverage, in-round interviews are incredibly yeah. riveting because now you're actually, you're actually going with the leader, talking to him, you know, while he's walking down the fairway in the middle of his final round. And, and I remember everybody saying, no, you're not going to be able to do that. No, you're not going to be able to do it. And I said, well, let's try. Let's ask them. If they don't want to do it, they don't. And I'll go talk to them and say, hey, listen, this would be fantastic. Would you consider it? And now it's commonplace, and it's just part of our coverage. Um, yeah, as long as they're with Eddie Pepperell every time. Some of his in-rounds have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, very entertaining guy. Well, Eddie, Eddie is Eddie is. Is brilliantly entertaining. Has he been on your show yet? Uh, we can't get him. He's too expensive. Yeah, yeah he has his own, he has his own yeah. show. Uh, so yeah, so, so yeah, so so you're probably gonna. You, I'm I'm very affordable, so I'm gonna be asked back every other week then. Yeah, we have, we have to make do with people like you, Keith. It's a sad state of affairs, but there you are. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> uh, well, once hey, listen. If there's one, if I'm listening. To the podcast, and, and at some point, I'm hearing, you know, like I said, he's entertaining, he's smart. And, and if I ever hear our head of communication, Scott Crockett, on the podcast, then I'm going to be so disappointed, gents. No, there's no, there's no chance we'd stoop that low that he, he can forget it. <laughs> uh, here, Keith, if um, just speaking about innovation, uh, and we'll, we'll leave it with this, unless Huggy's got something else as well. Uh, the In terms of innovation, uh, the social media output of the European Tour has just been phenomenal over the, I mean, just truly phenomenal over the last four or five years. So congratulations on that. Maybe it'll be a chance to incorporate some of that stuff into TV coverage moving ahead. Oh, I, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Oh, it's yeah. very, you know, we, we've, we've uh, we, again, all we've done with our social media is empower some really 
young people to be incredibly creative and not be afraid to make mistakes and and gain the trust from our players. And that's the same thing that you need to do with the broadcast is gain the trust from the players. And if we can do that, then anything is is possible. So yes, we could we could do that. Absolutely. You know, I think I think I think at the end and you guys love our sport just like I love it. You know, the health benefits are terrific for golf. And and it caters itself, as I said, to social distancing. Walking 18 holes is, is an average of 10,000 steps. Let's trumpet the health benefits of our game. And, and this is our opportunity to do so. And I think, I think you know, we're going to come out. The one thing that you don't need to worry about, and I know you were, you were worried about it, don't, don't worry about our financials or, or we, will, we will be just fine. And we will come out of this, uh, and it will be challenging for the first six months uh, in 2020 as we continue to build more tournaments. But we will turn our attention once a, very quickly again back into a growth and, and, uh, and a momentum stage. Uh, and one of the reasons that, that we will, and I believe can be successful, is what I said at the beginning, is the people that we now have at the tour are terrific and and like you said there some of them are creating unbelievable social content we got a really 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 cool announcement that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks that we're going to do something special around the uk swing and 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 hopefully we uh we we come out on the other side and and i and and i just thank you for the opportunity to come on your show it's very very kind of you to let me uh talk about our uh, our game and our tour yeah, it's been our pleasure, Keith. I did have one very last question on that. You, you, the, one of the impressive things, or most impressive things for me on the social media side is the, the willingness of the even the, the very top players to, to put themselves in situations where they're, you know, they're making fun of themselves and it's great. I'm just, so it, it, it does make me wonder, have you reached out to, to the, the real the star names on the tour recently to see how willing they are to come back and play a bit more maybe? on the tour that when you're, you know, you're in a position where you absolutely need them to come and play. Well, I, I think, I think John, you know, we've had this discussion before and top player participation, you know, dominates the thoughts of, of many and also the thoughts of many of our partners and stakeholders as well. And in many cases, I would say it's, um, I'd say it's warranted. However, this is the rare time when it's, when it's not. We, we have spent very little time talking about player participation in the hundreds of meetings we've had with mm. our sole focus to returning to professional golf and somehow using this great game as ours as a, as a metaphor to provide hope and restoration in what has been a terrible time worldwide and, and an opportunity for our, our game. And it's a chance to give back to the communities where the European tour plays. And that's what our golf for good initiative is. So uh, I understand the concept. Uh, it's a very, very, very crowded year. And mm. with three majors and two WGCs in the, in the United States, I think this is a different year. And I don't think that that is, is when they come back and play anytime they play, we'll celebrate. Yeah. But we're realistic as well. And, and that's not how we've, we've, we've built 
just built our business uh, on that. However, having said that, you know, love when they play, and 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 when they do, when they when they come, we'll simply be celebrating. Well, as someone once said, Keith, build it and they will come. So there you go. Who said that? Kevin Costner. <laughs> there you go. Three. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, listen, Keith. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, you sound uh, you, you sound like a man who's been through the ringer. But uh, congratulations! As I say, you've got another. I think you've got another ten events to announce. So we'll look forward to that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> phenomenal achievement in getting the the thing back up and running. Uh, as golf fans, well, certainly as I'm sure Huggy can speak for himself, but I'm a golf fan and I can't wait for it. So uh, well done and thanks. Yeah, I'm just going to say I agree completely with that, and I've. Uh... I've been saying to Scott Crockett for a while now. I'm I'm rooting for you guys. Uh, I hope it uh, we all come out the other end of this with a, a better product, or even better product than we had before. Uh, well, listen, you're very kind to have me on. Thank you, Lawrence, and thanks, uh, John. And uh, hopefully, we get a chance to do this again. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Take care. Cheers now. Bye bye. Cheers. It's a wild, 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 w